people aren't searching for enterprise. They don't see themselves that way. When we talked to our own enterprise customers, they very adamantly said, I see myself as a certain vertical and that's where I look for products. I see myself as a certain department and that's where I look for services. Hi, welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media, and I will be both your host and bartender today. I had an awesome conversation with Sarah Emmett, who is the head of brand at Atlassian. And we're talking about enterprise marketing and what she believes is an antiquated, dead, throwed away term. You shouldn't be marketing to the enterprise. But spoiler alert, she's actually not saying you shouldn't market to them. She's saying you should market to them in a different way than you likely are today. So if you care to grab a drink and join me as I speak with Sarah from Atlassian. Hey, Sarah, welcome to SaaS Half Full. Thank you. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. You and I have never had a chance to meet in person, so I appreciate the opportunity to talk today. We were talking before I hit record that me joining you for a drink today is a struggle for me personally. I'm coming off of a three-day girls weekend. It's a Monday afternoon coming off of that, but you know what? I'm doing the thing. I have a Tito's and soda. It's just like I never stopped, but it's 11 a.m. Monday, your time. Are you joining me for a drink today? I'll have a couple of sips. Similar, I like Tito's as well, but this one is Casamigos. Today, you and I are going to be talking about B2B enterprise marketing, which we've talked about before with previous guests, but what we're talking about today is how you think that's old news, we got to move on, and the reason being for that. But before we dive into that, I do want to give our listeners a background of who you are, how you got into B2B SaaS marketing to begin with. You've been with Atlassian for quite some time, but what was your journey into this world? Yeah, so the world kind of found me. I wasn't seeking it out. What I was seeking out, you know, North Star I've had throughout my career is working for brands that I respect, that I like, that I want to shout from the rooftops. It makes it easier as a marketer. And so coming from agencies, the first one who drew me in with that North Star mission about economic empowerment was Square. So it's fintech, not SaaS. And working for Square as a brand marketer and then later the enterprise marketing lead really helped kind of illuminate how important it is to work for a company you feel passionately about, the mission you feel passionately about, and the people that you're helping. And so when Atlassian came to me, it was a similar North Star. They were truly passionate about elevating teamwork. It wasn't just the products. It was the practices of how people can work better together. It was the retros. It was the team reflections, these team health monitors. And I said, this is crazy how much they invest in really making sure that people are not only working the best work that they can do, but they're doing it together in a way that's fulfilling and healthy and has amazing team dynamics. So Atlassian drew me in. And now I feel very much (laughs) involved in the world of SaaS. I've been doing events like Saster. I've been writing on the topic for a bit. It's interesting. It's different from fintech in a lot of ways, but software and the Bay Area tech scene is also very similar in a lot of ways. Yes, absolutely. And just for additional context, what's the brand marketing team look like at Atlassian? What functions fall under the brand side? Yeah, great question. So Atlassian is a little bit of an anomaly in the sense that we are a house of brands but we have most emphasis underneath the Atlassian brand name. So to kind of pull that apart, we have Atlassian, the corporate brand that has Jira and the whole Jira suite. Agile DevOps is part of it. We have ITSM, so that's more Jiras. (laughs) 
And we have work management and that's Confluence, Trello, and now our new acquisition of Loom. So we have these three different markets. We have different brands underneath them. So Confluence, Trello, Jira, all get their kind of time in the sun as brands. And we promote them as such. So we have robust brand marketing motions for them. And then we also have it for the Lassian parent brand. So we have basically three slash four brands in market and ones that we're doing different teamwork and different marketing projects behind. Okay. That's a lot. Do you oversee all of the brand activity or are you under one specific product or are you umbrella brand? Yep. The specific area of work management. So work management is Confluence, Trello, and Jira work management. Those are kind of our three major brands underneath it. Atlas is a new one, but it's not being marketed as a brand for good reasons because we have so many. I think that's part of our problem. We have these different brand functions. We also have the corporate umbrella one. If you look at the Jiras, we have 20 plus. (laughs) So consolidating is kind of our next hurdle here as brand marketers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's interesting that we are specifically talking about enterprise marketing today, just with you at Atlassian, because Atlassian is most known for its PLG function. So I do want to talk a little bit about, if you're cool with it, is we have a lot of different types of SaaS marketers from different types of companies that listen to this podcast. And some are PLG companies, you know, others are squarely enterprise and then everything in between. Do you have advice for PLG brands who are looking to add their first like enterprise sales function into what's traditionally a PLG motion. I'm just curious your perspective on if there are elements that lend itself to that that you take from PLG into enterprise or if they are two completely different beasts. I think it's a little bit of both. So I can speak to kind of our experience right now at Atlassian because we are still in that phase. Our new enterprise sales team led by Kevin Egan, who's amazing, came from Slack and a few other spots, really helped create the playbook for introducing that enterprise motion, that enterprise sales motion at other product-led growth companies like Slack. It's a layer on top. They need to work in unison but they're very different motions. And so the audiences you go after, the way you go after them, it needs to kind of be separate teams. But for introducing it for any PLG right now, you want to hire a senior salesperson who has done that at other places because it's not easy and then they need to have kind of that skill set to really speak to it and help build out the team the right way. So I keep saying the word enterprise, enterprise marketing, B2B enterprise marketing, and you, Sarah, are saying, digit, it's old. We need to move on. That's antiquated. Talk to me about this. Yeah. So when we've been looking at our data sets of what really works underneath search and what really works underneath our different kind of marketing landing pages and the way that we talk to our different customers, if we are hyper-focused on enterprise, it doesn't move the needle. People aren't searching for enterprise. They don't see themselves that way. When we talk to our own enterprise customers, they very adamantly said, I see myself as a certain vertical and that's where I look for products. I see myself as a certain department. And that's where I look for services. So to kind of break that down further, food and beverage, that's a vertical. That's a specific need. It's one that we saw kind of shine through at Square. And that was our first kind of enterprise motion was for larger food and beverage, specifically quick service restaurants. And then we just kept building that flywheel from not only the marketing standpoint, where we talked to them in a specific way, had those certain case studies, had the social proof, and had all personalization towards quick service restaurants. But then you met their needs with a salesperson to say, okay, here's how it's specifically broken down for you. Here's the pricing. Here's kind of the handhold approach we will have for change order of all of your tech to kind of meet the payment services from Square. 
And that was 2018. So now looking forward, it's still the case. People are not searching for enterprise. They're not searching for Atlassian that way. They're looking for it as a specific vertical or as a specific department within it. Like I would search for what is a tool that's for a marketer because I identify as a marketer. So having that personalization for all of your different marketing assets is not a nice to have anymore. It's a need to have if you want to be met. And certainly most of our competitors are doing that. So from a website perspective and everyone's different, but I do see often when I'm looking at SaaS companies' websites, there's a drop down, right? And it will say for enterprise, for small business, for whatever. Are you suggesting that you should just ditch that altogether, that enterprise drop down? It depends. I think that there are ways to talk to the enterprise within that web page that still meets their vertical specific needs. So if you were to still have that drop down and have it still be kind of catch all type of language, it's not going to have people self identify with they understand my industry, they understand my need state, they are going to meet what I need from them as a company. And it's not going to have the social proof to say this specific competitor of mine used it and is doing well. They want to see those logos. They want to see that you understand their specific industry. So if you're going to keep that enterprise dropdown, A, I wouldn't expect a lot of traffic to come to it. You're probably going to get pulled up more for the specific layers you have underneath that enterprise, which are more specific to verticals. You service a lot of verticals. We have certainly listeners who are vertical agnostic and they don't even be focused in specific verticals. They could service anyone. And when I think about just all the content associated as you were describing it, using that FoodBev example, that's a lot of content and a lot of personalization. So how are you able to do that at scale when you have so many different verticals to tackle? I think that we're just at the cusp of what I hope to only say once, AI, <laughs> being involved in, in that way because I don't want to make this an AI-driven conversation, but, but that's the reality. You can crank out content and personalization at a much faster and robust scale than before. And you can also meet that with the existing content that you have and repurpose it, put in new SEO, get it tailored. I mean, you can really produce so much more now that's higher quality and at mass scale to meet your marketing motions in whichever vertical it is that you're right. I think that Back in 2018 at Square, that was really tough. We could not produce as much content. We had to pick three specific verticals to go after first. And those are the three that we committed to and saw all the way through and you know all of the materials and met with our sales team and really worked on those three specific verticals together. But now you can do more than three at once and you can really escalate it and produce it in a way that previous to AI, we couldn't do with content. What are some specific changes that you saw? You mentioned people aren't searching this. When you all switched over to this more verticalized strategy versus just pushing enterprise, what did you see as a result? Faster close times, more engagement within like the signup flow and onboarding. Like people actually wanted to try the product. For example, I'm going to use marketers, that this works for marketers. I want to understand how they're using Trello and Confluence together as a marketing team. Oh, you have these specific use cases. Oh, you have great video tutorials on YouTube. Oh, you're working with creators that I respect and that I think of when I want to think of a marketing leader. And so they're quicker to sign up. They're quicker to try out the product and get involved in the valuation phase. And the quality of signups are stronger as well because I guess what I'm illuminating is twofold. It's not just the verticalization, but it's also having the voices from that vertical help you with your marketing motion. So if you have creators, 
micro influencers, not a Kim Kardashian, but somebody who's more specific to your industry and vertical, they can help you get better quality signups because they're already invested in what that creator is producing. And they're that much more willing to try that product. Are you all leveraging micro influencers currently? Yes. Yes. Can you give us a couple examples of that? I recently had on a senior level marketer from Grin, which is a creator management platform. We dove into the world of B2B micro influencers, but it's something that's hard to wrap your head around. He gave some specific use cases that helped me with, but I, I would just be curious if you have any specific examples to share on how you're leveraging micro influencers and if you can just even say like who would be helpful. I can break it down in a specific step-by-step for Atlassian. So Atlassian, a 20-year-old company, we have an enormous and super powerful community. Looking at our community, and we use tools to do this, Common Room is one of them, you can see who your micro-influencers may already be. So you might not even need to step outside of your customers and community. If you have a micro-influencer who is super active on LinkedIn, or producing a ton of YouTube content. They have an incredible amount of followers. They have really engaged followers. They have people who are also reaching out to them to produce content, especially YouTube tutorials. You can evaluate what their quote unquote clout is within their social channels and say, all right, Dave, we're going to reach out to you and say, would you like to do some content with Atlassian? Would you like to be a content creator for Atlassian? Here are you know, particular subject matter experts that we've worked with in the past. We want you to kind of mimic this flow, but we want it to reach your audience because your audience is highly invested in, let's say, project collaboration and doing better. Maybe they're project managers, maybe they're program managers, and they want to keep perfecting their game and being you know, a more valuable player. So that content that's produced from your own community member is amplified. You can put paid spend behind it if you want, depending on the budget you have and how all in you want to go. But the quality of signups you'll see from that micro-influencer that already has a curated audience are going to be, in our case, 11x higher quality because they're already invested in that subject matter. They want to be a better project collaboration expert. They want to be somebody who's using new and different tools in an innovative way. And so they're absorbing the content. They're trying out themselves. And yeah, that's kind of our step-by-step so far with Atlassian. Nice. And more often than not, is this an unpaid relationship? Yes and no. So for our awareness, micro-influencers that have larger audiences, so they're micro teetering closer to macro, we use them not just for content creation, but for an awareness of Atlassian. And to get that reach for their content, we'll put paid spend behind it and we'll usually pay them as well because it's more of a blanketing the airways type of motion because we want that brand awareness. For our smaller micro-influencers that really are trying to continue to build their presence and their credibility in the space and having the Atlassian brand on their content and being seen as an Atlassian creator is actually really beneficial for them and their stature within the community, we don't pay. So it's kind of depending on who the person is, what the reach is, and what the goals are for that particular campaign and piece of content. Okay, thank you. I want to back up to something you said earlier, and I believe you were talking about when you were at Square and working at the sales team and identifying three verticals. When you are creating content at scale and speaking to multiple verticals, you have to uncover pain points, understand what messaging resonates with them. Talk to us about your flow with the sales team. And if the sales team split into verticals, then just how that conversation goes and ensuring that you all are chasing the same thing and on the same page. 
Originally, it was not split by verticals, but once we unified the strategies of what we felt we could actually move the needle on within marketing, because we could have the social proof, we could have the case studies, we couldn't do it for all of them. We said, these are our three verticals. We need to marry these motions. So they restructured to those verticals. And it is a very handheld relationship. You're building the sales enablement tools together. You're building that content together. You're very often either sitting silent on that call or you're listening to gongs. And if you're not, you're also having these quarterly voice of the customer share outs from sales that were really robust documents with so much like great insight in them. However, that's a quarterly, you know, voice of the customer document. And sometimes you could feel whiplash from quarter to quarter of what you're hearing, especially when you're trying to do new things and do them for the first time in our upmarket motions. So looking now back at what we did then, I think it built the perfect foundation for what is now a much more scaled motion. And the voice of the customer share outs are important and marketing participating in sales calls and listening is important, but it's a scaled effort. And so not every shiny object gets worked into the marketing materials because it's now more mature and they know what works for the majority of that vertical versus some specific messaging that was just for two customers who had moved the needle for. That's, I think, where the marriage between sales and marketing is really important because that salesperson can hit on those specific points, but it doesn't need to be in every marketing material. You mentioned listening to Gong or VCU's course or whatever your recording is. You were saying you, you as the brand marketer, you are listening to those? So the way that we had it at Square is there was an enterprise marketing role and team. So that was separate from brand. I think for an enterprise marketing team, yes, it is very important. I think for brand marketing, it kind of depends on your objectives of the brand at the time. Right now for a brand, it's more about having a larger narrative. And for Atlassian, that's the case as well. It's a bigger Atlassian narrative. We have our impossible loan campaign in market right now, which is a big campaign touching on all different customers and what they can achieve together that you couldn't do alone. And no, they're not listening to the gong calls, but the enterprise team, because we do have an enterprise marketing team at Atlassian, is much more handheld and in regular conversations with our enterprise sales team. And so the enterprise marketing team is taking this verticalized, personalized approach and working with you all to ensure that everything is getting created and everything is targeted. Is that right? That's right. I would say it's more complex than that. Just due to the nature of our business model being product-led growth and having this new sales, enterprise sales motion, honestly, over the last three years, really come to a full-fledged effort. And because we have Atlassian, we have Jira, we have Confluence, we have Trello. So there's different personalization and verticalized approaches for each of them because each of them are different front doors for us into Atlassian. So all of them have that personalization. It's not just enterprise itself. It's how we go to market. And you had mentioned, depending on your goals, I do want to ask this as someone in charge of brand, because I do get a lot of different answers. How are you being measured as a brand leader? So my three most important KPIs are continual lifts in our awareness. We measure that with a quarterly brand tracker. And all of the efforts that I have described as far as the influencers that we pay to have a bigger reach, the personalization and reaching more people in a certain vertical through that type of marketing. All of these things culminate into, are you lifting your awareness from the number it is now to at least four points over the year? As you get bigger, that lifting that awareness number is increasingly more difficult. And your spend in market is also very important for lifting that awareness. 
that's my number one KPI. Then my second one is the perception one, which we also measure in our brand tracker. And I do it also by campaign. So the perception for us is incredibly important because we do play in so many different markets and with different products and different brands. Each of those perceptions, who comes to them, why they come to them and what they think of that product or brand is different. And for some of them, they get dinged for XYZ reason. It's our job to set perceptions in a different path and do that with the content, with the campaigns, with the influencers that we use to say, oh, yeah, I kind of thought that was an older product and they haven't done anything new. Oh, but you know, I follow this micro influencer and they showed me all these different new ways that they're using this tool. I've shifted my perception now of it. And that's a very easy way to describe it. It's sometimes a little bit more complex to get those perceptions shifted. That's my second KPI in the brand tracker. And then our third one is the association between Atlassian and those product brands, Confluence, Jira, and Trello. Jira is such a industry standard and kind of giant within developer community that Atlassian very often doesn't have that association because it hasn't been marketed that way. It was a ground up, homegrown approach where a developer would take in Jira, kind of evangelize it to their team and their company. And then the enterprise motion would be a little bit more difficult. So when you're trying to reach the C-suite executive decision maker, who's Atlassian? I know we have Jira, but who's Atlassian? Because it didn't come in that way. So that's where having that stronger association between the value they're seeing within their team and then the parent brand Atlassian is a really important KPI for us right now. That makes sense. And that's difficult. So you're looking at things like how often Atlassian is mentioned alongside Jira, for example, whether that's in social, whether that's in media, like how are you looking at that? Yep. That's one form of measurement. And we do keep track of those top of funnel touch points and how often not only are they associated together, but we do our own work there. So you'll see Atlassian as the eyebrow logo above Trello now, for example, because nobody knew that <laughs> Trello and Atlassian were one company. But then the most pointed part of measurement is when we do reach the executive decision makers and they say, I know who Atlassian is now. So that's a more qualitative type of survey that we'll do, but that's kind of the aha feedback that we want of it's working. Great. They know us now. And because then they're much more likely to buy other products from you if they know and respect you for the product that they have been using and they know that last is a parent brand. Oh no, I'm more willing to try Trello or I'm more willing to try a new Jira because that association has made it a stronger value prop in their mind. Yeah. Are you also doing more traditional brand surveying that first bucket race that you're mentioning lists and awareness? Do you do that like, you know, those unaided awareness type surveys? You know, at last year's the point where that may not make sense. Maybe that's really more on the association side. It's both. So we have unaided awareness and then we have prompted awareness and we keep track of both of those metrics. We also keep a really close eye on our competitors and what their prompted and unaided awareness is. So that helps for better or worse sometimes make my case for why we need more money in market or why we need to go after a specific audience type because XYZ competitor is really making a dent on marketers and we're falling behind. So we need to be putting more efforts there with our verticalized approaches, with our landing pages, with who we're targeting, how we're targeting them, and with the content creators that speak just to marketers. So it's not only the prompted and unaided for us, but our competitors are what really help make my case for where we need to be in market and how much we need to spend behind it. And that's actually good to hear that that y'all still do that because there's probably people listening thinking like everyone knows Atlassian, everyone they're selling to. But when you hear about how complicated it is with the house of brands now and not having the association between brands, like there is always work to do. And you know, and specifically on brand, I mean, I live in brand. We are a PR agency for software companies. So 
we are, you know, one little field in your lifted brand awareness spreadsheet or however you're reporting. So we live in brand two, but the work, it's like you always have to do the work. If you don't, other people will. So even listeners of brands like Atlassian still is making efforts on the brand side and measuring it and has to continue to invest in it. You know, it's funny you say that too, Lindsay, because I was at Saster recently and joined a brain date on community-led growth, which is similar to creator slash personality-led growth, but not one in the same, like square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is in a square. And in that conversation, they're like, oh, well, you're from Atlassian. You've got it all figured out. That's not the case. You know, a new challenge ahead, we might have this existing community that's amazing, but the next frontier of a specific profile, we haven't landed yet. And so there's always growth. There's always growth as part of the equation and finding new audiences is certainly part of it. So if you're a brand marketer listening, you're either like super motivated or you're so deflated. You're like, so it just never stops. Just always have to keep going. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I think that's true. Means we always have a job, right? You always have a job. What's nice though is you kind of keep evolving in your career and seeing what works at a certain moment in time and what you want to carry forward or what you want to now adjust is part of the reward, you know, because it can feel like there's never ending sea of people to market to and how to do it, but not everyone's for you. There's going to be certain verticals that work better for you. So at least that's some comfort. You can't necessarily market to the ends of the earth. You do have your, you know, ICPs and you'll see successes, and which I think is also really encouraging. When you have a more specific approach, verticalized or by industry, you can see those successes faster. And I think that's satisfying too as a brand marketer to see that growth. For sure. Is there anything that we didn't tackle or talk about as it relates to marketing to enterprise? I think beyond the verticalized approach is making sure that in your internal structure, you've reflected that in a way that you can work well as a team. And when I say as a team, it's marketing and sales. It's also the feedback for product. So beyond the voice of the customer just for marketing, it's also for product. And I think my most meaningful meetings are when those three are combined to really say, okay, here's not only what we're hearing, here's what we're seeing, here's what's working within marketing. How do we adjust? And it's a very tight feedback loop, not just between that customer, but between those three areas, sales, marketing, and product. And so if you're not set up with that structurally internally, you're not going to see your efforts really scale in the way that you want them to. So you need to make sure that you reflect, you know, what you're saying and what you want to do from a strategy standpoint in those teams and how they're meeting and how they're working together. Yeah, absolutely. The classic sales and marketing alignment slash misalignment. We've been talking about that as the day is long. Well, for those of you that have listened all the way to the end of this episode, we do have a end of episode segment that I call One More Drink, where I ask all of my guests, Sarah, if you could wish CEOs understood one thing better about marketing, what would it be? I've been seeing recently how many CMOs are moving into the CEO position, which you can break down for a variety of reasons, but I think the number one reason is marketing now is not an afterthought. It is the first thought. And those who are doing it well and know how important it is, especially for our existing way that we communicate, absorb content, you wake up in the morning and you're checking different things. That is a far cry from a generation ago where the newspaper was the first point of contact for that daily news. And if you are a really good marketer and you know how to do that well for your company, you move into the CEO position. So thinking about that and asking, you know, what we wish CEOs understood, your marketer might be your best brain in the entire company. 
and let's treat them as such because, yeah, to see so many moving into that CEO role is really exciting. Yes. And I know CMOs who have turned CEOs and they said the CMO role is harder. It is, my opinion, the most difficult job in the C-suite. Now, I'm not underplaying the role of a CEO by any means, but boy, this role has changed quite a bit. Well, I appreciate you joining me for a drink. Do you have a favorite or signature toast to send us out? Oh, you know, I don't. I was teaching my kids recently about, because they think it's really cute when we toast at the dinner table, to look people in the eyes and always give a smile and have that drink right there. You don't want to pause. And they're like, okay, there's a lot to this toast. I need to look them in the eyes. I need to dip my drink right away. So that's kind of what I've been teaching them. Cheers. I don't have one either. I'm a cheers person too. So it's all good. No pressure that way. Well, this has been awesome, Sarah. Thank you so much for the conversation. I appreciate the time. This has been a lot of fun. Me too. Thanks so much, Lindsay. Thanks to Sarah for joining me on SAS Half Full. Loved that conversation. I always like diving into the world and the brain of brand marketers. Hopefully you took a couple things away. If you are marketing to the enterprise, keep in mind, she is suggesting that you ditch the word enterprise and start marketing to the verticals themselves and personalizing that process along with your sales team. Thanks again for listening. And as always, bottoms up.